David Eubank is a former U.S. Army Special Forces and Ranger officer. He's the founder and the leader of Free Burma Rangers, a humanitarian service movement for oppressed ethnic minorities of all races and religions in Burma, Iraq, Kurdistan, Syria, and Sudan war zones. Along with relief, his personal mission is to share the love of Jesus Christ and to help people be free from oppression. Dave, so great to be with you today. Thank you, it's an honor. Hey man, I know you are uh, about to to start another mission uh, and you've given us some time to talk with you today. Uh, Before we get into your background, which is just fascinating, can you just give us a, a little snapshot of what life is like for you? in the work that you're doing? I mean, you're flying around the world, and, 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 and essentially, what are you doing these days? Well, right now, I'm actually in Texas, at Texas A&M, because my two girls, who were just with me in the war zones of Burma this summer, are juniors in college at Texas A&M. They're playing polo, I got to watch them last night, and rugby, and they dance, and they're studying the medical sciences. So I'm actually with them at a friend's little ranch, and tomorrow we head to Iraq, and that's different than America, but the thing that's the same is we all need Jesus. I need Jesus to show me the truth of myself and my sin, to get rid of my sin, give me purpose to overcome the power of Satan and his demons, and take us to heaven, which means whether I'm in America or Iraq or Burma or anywhere, I can afford to lose. I can obey Jesus. Winning and losing is not in my hands, just obedience. But right now I'm in America on the way to Iraq. Wow. Now, when you were a kid, uh, you grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand. Is that right? What was your family doing over there? My mom and dad were missionaries. So my dad was a a veteran of the Korean War, got in the oil business. My mom was an actress on Broadway, and she was the lead in Oklahoma when they toured across the states. Mom met dad, and dad says, God trusts people with millions of dollars, but he didn't trust him. And so God trusted my dad to be a missionary. So my dad left the oil business, my mom left show business. In 1960, uh, they were married. I was born in Fort Worth, but when I was nine months old, we went to Thailand. So I grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand and mom and dad are still there. They're 93 years old and 90, still sharing the gospel of Jesus right now. So growing up in Thailand obviously was very different from growing up in Fort Worth. Um, What kind of things do you think you learned there growing up in Thailand that helped prepare you for your ministry today? My dad read to me, you know, Lord of the Rings. And in there, the priest must be pure. Wow. To follow Jesus, you must be pure. To make a difference in the world, you must be pure. We're not pure. Isaiah was talking about it in Isaiah chapter 6. We're not pure. But God makes us pure by the blood of Jesus and gives us things to do. So I grew up steeped in that and seeing the power of Jesus over demons, over evil, over sin. As a missionary kid, I grew up riding horses. There's no rules. It was like America 100 years ago. There's no seatbelts. There's no how many people you can put in a truck. There's almost no trucks. So riding horses, I learned to shoot when I was five, swim when I was five, ride horse, put a 22 over my back, race around the mountains, hunt monkey, deer, bear, whatever. And so I grew up as a little, um, not very skillful Davy Crockett kind of person, not nearly as good as him, but the same kind of life. And so I'm very grateful for that. Wow. And and, and what did you envision yourself doing as an adult before you got involved with Free Burma Rangers? Well, when I was five years old, I remember out behind my parents' house in Thailand, looking up at the blue sky and thinking, one day I'll be a soldier, then I'll be a missionary. I don't know why I thought that. Was that because what my dad did? It felt like inside me. And when I got a scholarship 
ROTC scholarship to Texas A&M, I remember asking God, should I go to the military? And I felt God speak to me very clear. This is to prepare you for future service. So I spent 10 years in the infantry, Rangers, 2nd Ranger Battalion up at Fort Lewis, and then 1st Special Forces Group. And after 10 years, I got out and started seminary. In the middle of that, was invited to go help in Burma. That's, this is back in 1993 now. Wow. So what, what first inspired you to join the military? Was it this just sense, this calling that you felt from the Lord? The French Foreign Legion has paratroopers. They're the best of the French Foreign Legion. And some of the French regular military go, oh, those are just adventurers masquerading as soldiers. And I thought every special forces operator is an adventurer masquerading as a soldier. So for me, it was number one, adventure. Number two, fight for the right. You know, I think most men want to be knights. You want to fight for the right. And that was my idea. And so to, um, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Spread freedom all over the world. Free the oppressed. That's the motto of Special Forces, the oppresso libere from Luke 4:18. Those are the reasons. Adventure, action, get in a fight, man. Those are all reasons why I wanted to be in the military. And did you ever um, imagine that you would then go back overseas later on in, in life? Or was that just something, again, that came from this calling that you felt? It was kind of in the back of my mind. But at about the 10-year point, I decided to, to get out and, and go full-time. I felt God tell me, you can stay in the Army and put God first, which I didn't do often, and, I'll, and, and you'll serve me and you'll be a blessing there and I'll bless you, or you can get out and see what happens. And I thought, I'll just get out and see. I prayed. You know, both were part of God's kingdom. God needs people everywhere in every walk of life. Thank God for you there, man. I really thank God for you. It makes me feel so good to come back to America and see you doing what you're doing. Oh, they've got that part. And for me, it was get out and see what happens. And in the middle of that decision, I had a call from the people of Burma. It's a 73-year civil war, longest-running war in the world right now. Please come and help us. This is back in 93. So I asked my wife to marry me. First she said no. Then she said yes. We were married. Our honeymoon is Burma. And your honeymoon is Burma. Wow. Right. That, that's amazing. And, and obviously, you are a retired army ranger and an officer, and you must have learned all kinds of things there as, uh, as preparation for this ministry that God's now given you, right? Well, there's a, in a, the side of the military I was in was the, 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 the final point where you kick open the door and shoot somebody. And there's a lot of things that, that go into that. And to me, it made war, which is where we've been invited to help, understandable. I mean, it's chaos. It's scary. It's violent. But I, it's the, the field I understand. I'm naturally, I don't want to say I'm naturally good at it. I can naturally do it. And it's not shocking to me. So all that, though, without submission to Jesus, is just a wasted weapon. It's a wasted tool. In the Battle of Mosul, you know, most of our job, we're not, we're not there to fight anybody. The Free Burma Rangers are a humanitarian relief organization. Help people, medically, food, whatever, get the news out. Help people get the news out. Share about Jesus. In the Battle of Mosul, though, we face ISIS almost every day. Shooting, I, go, I was wounded four times in that battle. I faced ISIS two yards away. And I never hated them. They were just evil people. I felt sorry for them. Sometimes I had to fight them. I didn't have to. I, I could have let them kill me. Point blank, they come in yelling, Alu Akbar, shot me here, shot my friend six times. I fought back. And, but I didn't hate them. I thought, they're sinners just like me. They need the, the grace of Jesus. And you just can't let them keep doing this thing. But when they killed this little kid right in front of me, and it's in the movie and in my book, 
something snapped inside me and I thought, justice. I'm going to, besides sharing the gospel of Jesus, giving stuff, besides defending myself or defending people with me, which is what I was doing before, I'm going to go after these guys. That's justice. And I opened the Bible and asked Jesus, what's the truth? And he showed me three times in a row. I didn't even know it's three places in the Bible. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Something like that. I was like, what I call justice is revenge. And the difference is love. When someone's hurt you, you want justice. And you should. But when it's, I don't care what happens to them. I'm so mad. That's not justice. That's revenge. Justice is, I love you. You hurt me. What discipline or what do you need to change? And I realized I hated ISIS. And that hate would have, I think, in the end destroyed me if I hadn't given it up. It would go in a big circle and maybe come back to me. I don't know. But when I said I give up just, I give up revenge, I give up going after ISIS, it was like a 2,000-pound weight left my shoulders. I thought, oh, another evidence. Jesus is real. He just did that surgery. I woke, I got up the next day. I don't have to fight anybody. I don't have to do anything but be his ambassador. And that, and battles still come. You still have fights, but it's not with hate. And that was a huge gift of Jesus. And I have to keep asking for it. But to me, that's how you can go into any battle, whether it's political or physical or any battle. Jesus, give me love. I don't want revenge. I want justice. And justice means I care about the perpetrator too. Wow, there's so much there, Dave. This is, uh, this is incredible to be talking with you. One question I know some of us are having is, how did you convince your wife right after you got married to join you in Burma? My wife, who is awesome, gave her life to Jesus when she was four, married like a secondhand thing, me, like a used <laughs> car. And I thought, wow, God, you really love me so much to give me her. And she was a special ed teacher, you know, run a 10K on the weekend, do a little hike up a mountain, stay fit, but that's about it. And our first, she wouldn't date me. And our first, I was still in the army. She didn't, didn't want to be involved with military people. I couldn't get her to date. So I said, let's climb a mountain. So we climbed Mount Shuxon in the North Cascades. It's, it's a technical mountain. You got a hike and you got a glacier. You're on sleeping on a glacier. Then you got vertical rock and ice face to get to the summit. Two ice axes in the time of year we did it. Tough climbing. I thought maybe she'd go to base camp. She's one of the few that summited. I said, like, who's this woman? And never done this. I guided for the army high altitude guiding. And so I'm used to people and how they are climbing it. How could she that good? She just has that spirit. We went, we, I'm a, I'm a skydiver from the army. She's a skydiver for fun. She's better than I am. She just likes it. So anyways, God made her a way that she didn't even know. She's an introvert. And now she runs kids programs, different places in the world. And so she, when we got married, she's just one of these people that's all in, that doesn't complain, that's just full of joy. And wow, it doesn't matter what we do. We're in Sudan getting bombed. She's scared. She hates getting bombed. She once said to me, Dave, when you were gone, we're getting shelled here. You're getting shelled there. I asked God, what kind of mother am I to have my kids in this environment? Mm. And she felt God say, you could bubble wrap your kids and effectively insulate them from me too. Are you the answer to all their life? Or do you want them to call out to me and know what it's like to call out to their Lord and Savior? He said, okay, God. I'm with these people. I'm here with my kids because other kids are here. That's we're, we're together. I'm not going to bubble wrap them. I'm going to love and protect them, but introduce them to Jesus, the only one that can always be with us. Dave, you, you travel all over the world. Uh, you're here in the United States, and then you go back to the Middle East and other places around the world. Where do you feel uh, most at home? Wherever I really feel like I'm doing God's will, when he's forgiven me, and <laughs> when I'm with loving people like you, which I really want to meet face to face one day, um, I feel at home. What I love, you know, I land, I love Malibu. 
I love Malibu. I'm a horrible surfer, but I try to surf there. And I, I love California. I'm in Texas now. I love the spirit of Texas. We love Alaska because it's a wild place and we can hunt and run amok. We love Wyoming because we all like to rodeo. And I feel at home in all those places. But, you know, I was just up in the East Coast just for a day on this beautiful lake I'm performing a wedding on my volunteers. I could be at home here, too. But for me, it's the American West, probably more than anything in America that I love. Dave, uh, you do so much work in Burma. What, what, what caused you to choose Burma over all other areas of the world? Well, I just left the Special Forces to go to Fuller Seminary. And I was trying to get my wife now to marry me. She was not having it. And I got a phone call as I was talking to her from my dad from Thailand. He's a missionary there. And he said, Dave, a leader of the Wa tribe in Burma. Burma has many tribes. Burma is also called Myanmar. But leader of the Wa tribe in Burma, a minority group, came to Thailand, walked one month through the jungle, through the Burma army because they, they fight each other, and said, can you come and help us? It's, and, the, and the Wa tribe were headhunters before. And most are still not Christian. And he said, we are a warrior people. You are a warrior. He's telling my dad. He had a picture of me with a green beret in, in my dad's house in Thailand. And he said, your son's a warrior. We are warrior people. Send him. And he also follows Jesus. We know that. And we need Jesus. I got this phone call. And I turned to Karen and I said, I know you don't want to marry me. I got to go. And I thought it was over. But as I was taking her back to California, as we drove down the beach, actually at uh, Carmel, on the beach, close to midnight, before we got to meet a friend, mm. full moon, um, she agreed to marry me. And then, boom, we were married in Malibu, and then back to back to, to Thailand, and then extra legally into Burma because there's no visa or passport. You're going on foot, or you have to because it's a war. And that was the beginning of our married life, and that's how we got there. They invited us. Explain to us why this is a crisis area to begin with. What happened in Burma? Uh, that has made it so dangerous. And what is life actually like there? Well, Burma was a colony of England. And when it was a colony of England, the Burma, the Burmans, who's the majority, that's half the population, didn't like, the, of course, that foreigner running it. But the ethnic minorities are like, awesome. They said, England is our father, America's our mother. Because England brought law and order and made the ethnic groups the same as the Burmans. We like that. That's our father. America's our mother because they brought the gospel. The first American missionary ever to leave America, Adoniram and Ann Judson, 1813, they ended up in Burma. So the first mission field any American ever went to outside of America was Burma. After World War II, the Burmans sided with the Japanese. The ethnic minorities sided with the Allies. And when the war was over, the, the British and American government said to the ethnic minorities, hey, you fought on our side. Don't worry, you get your freedom. But that's not what happened. The hands were washed to Burma. Burma was declared independent. The Burmans quickly turned into a dictatorship and said to the ethnics, you pay now. You're under us. And so from 1949 till right now has been a civil war of the dictators trying to crush the ethnics. Now, what's different is last year, the Burmans began to crush their own Burman people so much that the Burman people have risen up. And that gives me hope that right now it's not just the ethnic minorities, but actually Burman majority standing together saying enough of this dictatorship. And that's where we're in right now. And that, that pushback against their own people has scared the dictators, which has made them more vicious. So now we have, and the Russians, the Chinese, Iranians, and North Koreans support the dictators in Burma. So we have Russian planes bombing us. Just before I came to the States, July, 
We got MiG-29s bombing us, Yak-130s, hind attack helicopters, all that as the Burma army tries to crush all opposition. This is uh, crazy stuff, I, I, and it's hard to believe uh, that you're actually there with your family in the midst of this stuff, bringing the gospel to people. Uh, there are lots of misconceptions about missionary work in places like this. Can you explain uh, what some of those misconceptions are and uh, what life is really like when you arrive in Burma as a missionary? I'm not sure all the misconceptions. I, I, the first one that comes to my mind is that when it gets really dangerous, you should leave. I remember once an African pastor said, you know what happens in the Congo when the rebels come to attack our village? You know who leaves first? The missionaries. They're gone. And then the NGOs leave, the health workers and everybody else. Then the government leaves. Where are the Livingstons of today? Speaking of David Livingston, I don't see safety anywhere in the Bible. And so when we go in an area, and I don't want to get hurt, and I don't want my kids hurt, but when we go in an area, I always say, we're here to serve you in Jesus' name. doesn't matter if they're Muslim or whatever they are. We're here to serve you in Jesus' name. We're sinners, but everything we have is yours. My family's here. And, when we, and my family grew up in this. My, my, my Pete was three weeks old when Karen carrying him nursing in. She's holding on my backpack, no lights, because we are going through the Burma Army. Can't get caught. He's quiet because he's nursing. Three weeks. They all grew up in this. And the ethnic people in Burma said, oh, of course you're going to bring your kids, and our kids are here. When we were in Iraq, the Iraqi general said, you brought your kids? You must think God looks at Iraqis and Americans the same. When we're in Sudan, we got bombed every day, and my kids are hiding with their kids. And the, the Sudanese leader there in Nuba Mountain said, you don't want anything from us. You brought your kids. We're like this. And then in Kurdistan, the general said to my son, you, that your son? I said, yes. You brought your most precious thing. I give you my most precious thing, my country. Because all real war is involved with families. And so I don't take, we don't take our family to purposely go to the front line and get shot. But where other families are, our family's with them. And you know, when you're with people and they're suffering, that's love. That's not words anymore. Those are deeds. And you're in there in love in Jesus' name. We don't have a formula. We pray about every time, every decision. Should we all go? Who goes? But normally we go together. Wherever there's a family, we, we go together. What does one of your missions typically look like, whether it's in Burma or Iraq? How does it roll out? Uh, a lot of times it's not dramatic. There's no fighting. It's a little bit easier. But let's say there's fighting. So the Burma army has attacked a village. 300 people have run away. Maybe five were killed, and they've been tortured to death in the village or whatever. Everybody else has run over a couple mountains. We hear about it. We've got teams all over Burma. We have 120-plus teams. It's just five-person teams, small teams. But they're in every fighting area. We hear about it on the radio, FM radio, or by satellite phone. Hey, this is happening. Get together are my family, my team, medics, uh, videographers, photographers. These are local ethnic people. A string of horses. We've got about 20 horses. Put medical supplies, food, whatever on them, and then walk. One day, five days, 20 days, depends on how far, over the mountains, not using roads generally, to where the people are hiding. You go into the hiding place, they're looking at you like this. They've got their own security. They got dad with a shotgun. They got one guy with an old M16 looking out for the Burma army. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Four people that were shot and that weren't killed are right there, they're bleeding. So our medics get on them. Other people have normal sicknesses there, malaria, typhoid, type, whatever, and you work on them. We set up a little dental clinic under this tree and then talk with the leaders, and then my wife and team members and my daughters and son will talk with the village elders and say, you want a kids program? Yeah. What else? Again, they're hiding like this. So the next day, you've got like a Sunday school outdoors singing songs of praise to Jesus. I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Satan out of here. 
God, displace all other spirits. Give us your joy, your healing, your help. And then play games with the kids. My wife does this. And then we're handing out things they need, like clothes. And then we get on the radio. Hey, we got enough medicine, but we need this much rice. Let's bring rice from the village X. It may take five days on horses to bring it in. Coordinate that. Then I'll take a few guys, and usually not my family members, and we'll creep, creep, creep up to where the Burma Army still is. Maybe they're burning the village or doing something bad and try to document it, what's happening. Again, our role is not to fight them. It's not immoral to fight them. It's just not the role God's given us. We're not pacifists. Most of us have fought, but that's not our main job. Our job is pray for the enemies, show what's happening, and let the world know what's happening. Let them know what's happening, that we see it. So those are our two jobs. Help people get the news out. And then you're there, it takes two or three days, you walk to the next place. And you could walk for a month in a circuit like that. That would be a typical mission. Middle East, we very similar, except you're in armored vehicles going across the desert, but the same result. Staying with people who are in trouble. And also, Kurt, not being led by comfort, by fear, or by pride. Why don't, never, oh, it's too dangerous. Never want, I tell my guys, if I'm dead tomorrow, never sell anybody. We couldn't go, it's too, too dangerous. No way. You don't go because God told you not to go. If it's dangerous, find a way to get there. If you're scared, ask God for love and imagine, what if that was my daughter? What would I do if that was my daughter there? I'm going to find a way to go. I don't want to get killed, but I'm going to find a way to go. So we don't be led by comfort, fear, or pride, but be led by the opportunities God gives us and go in his love and use his name. Don't be led by comfort. Don't be led by fear or by pride. Man, those are words to live by. Dave, what do your kids think about all of this? Do your kids... uh, are they, are they all in? Are they scared? Do they want to come back to the United States and stay away from that? What do, what do they think of this crazy mom and dad and this lifestyle that they've chosen? They love it. You know, my daughter was driving an armored ambulance, 14 and 16-year-old, in the Battle of Mosul because some of the men couldn't drive stick. And they're doing it. And they know it's for a good reason. They're riding horses since there too. And they're living the wild life of Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone. They love it. And they're back here in the States. They said, Dad, sometimes we can't talk about what we've done. You know, every Christmas break and summer break, they're with us in the battlefield, the real battlefield, in the boom, 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 and treating patients. One wants to be a nurse, one a vet, treating wounded people, treating wounded animals, riding their horses still. They love the life. Each one has had to find for themselves, is Jesus real? And since you asked me the question, I'll, of course, I'm going to give you the real answer. My two daughters here at Texas A&M are very close to Jesus. They're like Clem said, warrior princesses. They're on the rugby team and the polo team, and they're exuding the love of Jesus. My son, total stud. He's the youngest guy to climb Mount Rainier at six years old. Grand Teton at six years old. Shot, has already shot bear, caribou, everything. When he's tiny, he can, he's, a, he's a super athlete and good at everything and such a good boy. This week, Kurt, you could pray for us. He said, Dad, I'm struggling with my faith. Wow. You know, I'm not even asking his permission to say this. this is on TV or whatever. It's true. He's struggling with his face. I said, what made you struggle? My sins. I want to confess them. So, man, this, you know, I knew he was like too perfect in a way. Like, dude, there's nothing wrong with this guy. There's got to be something. I would ask him and ask him because he always has a family get together. I try to share every, at least once a week we're together. Have I done, said or anything that's dishonoring to you? or made you mad. And almost every time they go, yes, dad. I'm like, oh, and we say, we're sorry. We love each other. We're hugging each other. We're very close. And my son said, dad, he wrote a confession out last week. I haven't given it to you. It's not because of you. You're the best parents we could ever have. It's my choices. I've made bad choices. I've sinned before God and y'all. I'm a hypocrite. He's telling me this, man. 
and he starts crying. He's a tough dude. He's been in combat. He's crying. He's lays down and he's asking Jesus to help him. And it broke my heart. I had no idea. I had no idea. We, we live together. We're in war together. We don't know what goes on in men's brains. You know, once one guy just told me, don't judge someone's exterior by your own interior. Hmm. So here's my son calling out to Jesus. I'm sharing with you because you asked me, what about my kids? And up till last week, I would have told you, they've all been baptized. They're all following Jesus. It's awesome. Until two days ago, my son says, dad, I'm struggling. And you never see it. And it gives me a chance. He already knows my sins. I can say him again. We're all struggling. None of us are perfect. The only hero in the world is Jesus. It's the only one in a state of being a hero. The rest of us can do heroic things and should, but then we do sinful things. And when we do sinful things, we should call each other out, forgive each other and stick together, man. And so right now, if whoever watches this, pray for my son, Peter. He, he would tell you, he's not, he's not ashamed of this. He's embarrassed. He's not ashamed. He just asked like five people to pray for him. I said, that's awesome, Pete. You admitted you need Jesus. Mm. He's, gonna, he's already helping you, man. This, is, war, this life is a battle. He's already helping you. And so he and I, this is two days old. Today went for a long walk. I'm just hugging him. He's hugging me. I said, Pete, you know, I asked Jesus to make me a better evangelist. Wow, I didn't want this way. <laughs> but you know what? It's stakes are high. Stakes are high because everybody gets to choose, no matter who your parents are. And I said, honey, look how much we love each other more. Look what this is doing to us. And Jesus has taken those sins. He's taken them. He goes, and I know I feel lighter. I feel better. I feel free, dad. So, you know, tomorrow's another battle. But my kids are no different than anybody's kids. They're no different than me. I've made so many bad choices. And when I did and I sinned and I sinned, when I finally got on my knees, I said, and I was crying like I am now. Oh, Jesus, what have I done? You gave me so much and I threw it away. Please, I don't deserve it, but forgive me. Boom, man, he forgave me. Really? I get to be your guy? Yes. That's his message to all of us. You get to be his guy, his girl. Go. Don't hang on to that sin. He takes it. He died for us. So that's, what, that's the answer to my kids right now. Dave. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, Dave, I want to know more about Free Burma Rangers. What, what are the, what's the latest happenings in, in, in Burma uh, with, your, with your organization? Well, Free Burma Rangers, relief humanitarian organization, comprised of men and women from 16 different ethnic groups in Burma. And you, you actually can be any or no religion. You don't have to be a Christian to be with us. You're going to listen to prayers all day because all the leadership pretty much is Jesus people. And, but you only have to do this for love. We don't pay the team members. You have to read and write because you got to be able to tell stories of what's happening. You have to, be able to do good medicine, which takes literacy. And you can't run if people can't run. If they can't run, you cannot run away. You'll be the last person out if you die. If you have no weapons, it doesn't matter. You'll be the last person out. And so we have about 120 teams in Burma in the worst fighting since World War II right now. Starting last year, an, a huge increase of fighting as the dictators try to do an all-out attempt to crush every opposition for once and for all. So we've hit that real culminating point. And our team, we've lost 13 people this past year, dead. One right next to me. One, a beautiful young lady, top of her head taken off. It's been brutal and makes me very sad. I could cry easy. I think, you know, one of the first things I learned in seminary, you can live well with sorrow. You can't live with shame. 
We can live with sorrow. We can't live with sin. Jesus comes take sin away. But sorrow stays with us because it's about love. And that's the role of the church is sharing these sorrows. So we've had a lot of sorrow in Burma this year. So the main effort is Burma, but we're also in Iraq, in Syria. We went to respond to Afghanistan when it fell last year. We're, we have partnerships in Tajikistan, and we've been in Sudan before. But the main effort is Burma and then the Middle East. So, so Dave, your, your mission is to go in there and help these people and then to get the news out, to take pictures and to write, write about what's going on there. What kind of progress, what kind of response has come from people who've seen the work mm. that you're doing there? Uh, what are some of the signs of hope because of Free Burma Rangers? Well, first, we've got a lot more help. I mean, this, this last few months in Burma, I was when someone said, we have a thousand people need food. I got enough money. Yeah, we can do it. We need an ambulance over here in Syria. We can do it. So the response of the church in America and internationally has been wonderful to help us help others. People on the ground. I remember one ethnic guy we trained from the Kachin tribe. It's a northern tribe. He was down with a Karen, different people. Went through our training, went to a mission. He said, you know, before I came to this training, I will only die for my people, for Kachin blood. Now I will die for all blood in Burma. Now I realize we're all in this together. People come to Jesus and are baptized in our trainings. And even in the Middle East, Muslims, I baptized in the Euphrates River and the Tigris River. Jesus is in my heart. I said, aren't you afraid to make that public? You know, as a Muslim in some areas, they'll kill your family. He goes, Let, I hope they don't. Let them kill me. I know who my master is. I know who changed my heart. I love them. I'd love to see how you would train these small groups of young men and, and women. What are some of the things that, that are essential that you train these young people in? Everybody can pray and try. No matter how, your physical ability, you can pray and you can try. God will do the rest. You pray and you try. Love each other. Unite and work for freedom, justice, and peace. Forgive and don't hate each other. Pray with faith. Act with courage. Never surrender. Never give up. This is what we put in to them. And we have spiritual, we call spiritual, it starts in the morning, like four in the morning or five, depends on the day. Whistles blowing, firecrackers going off, little boom, boom. They're running around in their camp, three months training. It's like being in the army, rangers, seals, special forces, and Sunday school all wrapped up in one. Mm. And you learn to love each other and do medical training, how to pack horses, how to swim, how to life save, how to use video cameras, how to draw maps, how to navigate with a compass, how to interview people how to care, how to do logistical supply work. You learn all this in about three months. And then you go on a real mission. You graduate, but you're not done. You go instantly into a real fighting area and put what you've learned into practice. And our instructors and myself go with them. And we're together in this really helping people in need on the job training. Then they go back to their own ethnic areas and they work in these different ethnic areas as emergency response teams, like a volunteer fire department going out to help when people are under attack. And I hope the biggest thing they get is ask Jesus to help you. He's gonna help you. I would imagine one of the most difficult things to teach people is how to love their enemies when they see their enemies doing such evil things. How do you teach them to, the, to do that? I think you can teach things like, you know, revenge is like drinking poison and hoping someone else dies. Those are truisms. You could say that when you hate, it only hurts you. Those are truisms. But when you've been, and they're all true, but when you've been hurt so bad, those truths don't stick when you've been hurt bad. And what, the way we teach them is like this. We bear witness. I can't really teach you this. I can 
as a witness tell you what happened to me. I met Burma soldiers who tried to kill me, <laughs> didn't know that it was me and my family, machine gunning my families who are trying to plant this rice with this widow. And then they ran away a year later and we met them. They were caught and we met them. And when they knew it was me they're trying to kill, you see in their eyes this big, like, oh my gosh, that was the people we were trying to kill. I said, look what Jesus did. He brought us together, man. You couldn't kill us. You know, maybe if I'd met you that day, I probably would have killed you unless God stopped me. I'm sure I would have. But we didn't meet that day. We met this day. And you're sorry. Yes, we are. Good. We're all sinners. Now we can be friends. And we became like this, the people who tried to kill us. Dave, how do we reconcile what you're doing with some of the things that we read in the Bible? Some people read the Bible and they believe that Jesus was a pacifist, you know, turn the other cheek, sort of he who, who draws the sword is gonna die by the sword. Uh, but then also he told his disciples to go buy a sword. So, so what do you make of how we should be responding to evil? And is, ever, uh, is violence ever appropriate? I think each person has to ask that for themselves. And I think it's case by case. The Bible doesn't do a lot of things twice. Jericho happens that way one time. Joshua runs up with his armor bearer in a certain way one time. David kills Goliath one time. It's different things. And for me, I have no policy. My policy is, Jesus, what do I do right now? And I've had a situation where there's an airstrike. Americans accidentally killed an entire Iraqi family. I was the only American on the ground that close, not with the American Army, you know, as a raid, Freeburn Ranger working with the Kurds and Iraqis. And the men were like, ah, they were so mad, which... We'd kill the family, accidentally, of course. Not we, but the American military. And I went up to speak to him. My translator said, don't go there, man. They will kill you. They'll take out all your hate on you. And I said, I prayed and I felt Jesus say to me, be my ambassador. I had an AK-47. I put it down. I had all my battle rattle. I put it down. I had a Glock. I stuck it in my back pocket. I mean, my back waistband. Put my shirt over it because I'm a chicken. And I walked up there. I like options. And I walked up there with my translator. And I said, I'm an American. I'm not in the army anymore, but I used to be. It doesn't matter. I'm an American. I'm responsible also for that airstrike. But I promise you it was a mistake. I promise you that pilot didn't want to kill that family. There was ISIS right next to it. They killed ISIS with the first bomb. Second bomb missed the ISIS position and killed the family. And that pilot probably has kids. We'll find a way for restitution. I'm so sorry. They looked at me stony-faced. I kept saying I'm sorry on behalf of America. On behalf of me, I'm American too. They weren't having it. I just prayed, what do I do? And I got on my knees. I raised my hands and I said, I got a pistol right here. You can pull it out and you can shoot me. I will not defend myself. My life is not worth eight of your lives, but it's the only one I can give you. I don't even have time to ask my wife and kids for permission, but you can kill me. I, that's all I can give you. And I just closed my eyes. I didn't know what would happen. And the older brother lifted me up and he said, start crying. I started crying too. We, will, we don't hate you. We don't hate you. We're just so sad. And we became friends. We put a playground there later in the honor. I was able to contact the Americans who gave restitution. So I think there are times when it's worse to do nothing. I think there are times when you do need to fight, but only God can tell you when that time is. And it, I think the core of it has to be love. Dave, how can people support and get involved in the work of Free Burma Rangers? Uh, number one, uh, pray for us and and support your ministry because they wouldn't know me except for y'all. And pray for us, pray that we're, we're trying to get into Syria next week. We, that door's not even open. So that prayer, things like that for access, that we do God's will, God's way. We have a website, it's 
www.freeburmarangers.org. We have a, a documentary movie on Amazon, Free Burma Rangers. I wrote a book. It's on Amazon, too. It's called Do This for Love, Free Burma Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. You can read those and pray and see, you know, if you if God leads you to support financially or talk to your government representative. Hey, what's going on in Burma? What are we doing to help? God will guide you as you ask. David, I, I know that not all of us will have the opportunity or even the desire to go to the, the war zones that you and your family are in. And you're doing such in, incredible work there. And clearly you feel called by the Lord to be in these places. Uh, you said that home for you is where you feel you are doing God's work. When you live on mission, often that's going to involve taking some sort of risk. And uh, clearly, you, you, your life demonstrates that in a very graphic way. These are physical risks that you're taking. Uh, for other people, it might be risking their reputation. It may be their, their job gets taken away from them. They may be blacklisted. They may be pigeonholed. Uh, and it's not just you doing this and suffering the consequences yourself. You have a wife and kids. I have a wife and kids. And so when you think about, wow, this is going to impact my wife, the decisions that I make today, this is going to impact my kids potentially for the rest of their lives. They may even lose their life if I stay on this mission. How do you process all of that? How do you deal with the concern for your family as you live on mission? The best thing any of us can do for our families is to faithfully follow Jesus. And that is a mission, whether it's in Hollywood in Congress, in business. That's the best, safest course. Everything else is Satan trying to take us down. So you might suffer political defeats. You might have to pay fines. You might have pressure. Some countries you might go to jail for what you believe. That's better than hell, 10 times better. I'm not talking about just the hell at the end of this life, hell on earth that you're gonna live in when you don't follow Jesus. It's gonna happen. Mm. You're, you're either part of God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom. So. The, the risks are, are there, but that's true. You know, when you get married, it's a risk. When a, a woman has a baby, that's her risk for her. You can't do anything good in life without risking. But I think there's a difference between a risk and a gamble. A risk is like this. Jesus, I want to do this, but I give it back to you. I won't do it unless you tell me to. And when he gives it back to you, of course it's a risk. That many of the disciples were killed, but it's in God's hands. A gamble is, I'm going to do this, God, bless me. You might get lucky, but that's all. What has all of this taught you, Dave, about the character of God? God is loving. God is merciful. God is kind. God blesses us. God forgives us. God will not be mocked. We can't fool him or trick him. Sin doesn't work. Um, things are broken. We don't follow God's way but he can bring good from even the evil we do when we follow his way. He will reign victorious. He wants us to reign with him and he will use us at any time. These are some of the things and the power of Jesus' name, hmm. the power of his character, the power of his presence. I felt that saving power. Dave, you go into religious areas of the world. You're, you're there in the Middle East and you're in the, the Far East. And so you're seeing all sorts of different religious concepts. What is, the, what is the striking contrast of your God versus the gods in these other non-Christian areas? What do the people hmm. recognize is different about your God? You talked about justice. You talked about mercy. You talked about God can't be tricked. Is any of that unique to the Christian message of the gospel? 
Many people believe those things. I think when I went to Iraq, General Mustafa, who's in the movie, he told me before, you know, he said, before I met you, I'm losing my country. I prayed to God. And he gave me the worst two things, an American Christian. <laughs> America's the enemy of Iraqis, and you're a Christian, the worst, an infidel. At the end of the Battle of Mosul, he said, go back and tell the Americans we love you. Please love us. And he said, thank you for showing us what it means to follow Jesus. And then when we're willing to take risks to save his soldiers, he's like, okay, you're really one of us. And one of his soldiers was shot six times also, um, Muhammad. And he said, I've been listening and thinking about Jesus, and I feel he's real in my heart. I want to ask him to stay here. He met Jesus and others as well. And so we would have never in with the Muslim community ever been told, oh, stay away, you're Christian, ever, because we're in there with them. And they can feel Jesus' love. They can feel it. And in Burma, there's all kinds of tribes, and we have many Burmans who come joining us now for the majority population just joining us. They're Buddhist. But they were singing songs about Jesus to, with my wife, and there's shells landing nearby, which are scary. Boom, boom, boom. And they said, when we sang about Jesus, it was very strange for us. We felt, felt something. Who is this Jesus? And one guy that we helped rescue from in the city of Rangoon, whole story, got him out. He was a beauty pageant organizer. And he said, when you talked to me and you prayed in Jesus' name over the phone, I felt something. And I got on my knees and I said, God, are you real? And Jesus, what do you look like? Are you brown? Are you white? Are you fat? Are you tall? I don't know this, Jesus, but please help me. And I felt something. And so I think Jesus' power is available to all people and his love is needed and common to all. So we've been able to share. Dave, your calling is, is so unique. It, uh, it's inspiring. For, for many millions of people who will never go do the things that you do, is their calling as important? Is it, is it filled with the kind of risk and danger that, uh, that, that, that you feel as well? Speak to the people who feel like, man, I'm just, I'm just sitting here in my house and, and, and I'm not doing what you're doing. I may never have this opportunity. Will God use me for important mission work as well? Yes, starting with yourself. Here's the first mission, the first battlefield. The line of good and evil isn't between me and them, Democrats and Republicans, this guy or that guy. It's right here. That's the first mission field. Jesus, help me change. My family. What's my family really doing? What are they really thinking? Dare to ask. You might be shocked and disappointed and angry and hurt. It's all there. Get it out in the open. Satan cannot operate in the open like that. Mm. Your family. Next, the school board your coworkers, the garbage man, that's the mission field. And all of them entail risk of your reputation, of your job, your life, your fortune, your sacred honor. They're all at risk. But what other thing are you gonna do with your one wild and precious life? You're gonna make a difference or not? Right here in your family. That's even before you get to DC. Last week, I was in a conference in Phoenix with some good friends. And what was cool was we had these lawyers that were Christian lawyers taking on Supreme Court cases. They, they just won the case where the guy wasn't allowed to kneel you know, at the middle of the football field. They just yeah. won that. And they're taking on other cases, the right to, to not make cakes in certain ways for people for, about things you don't agree with. Yeah, you can have all the cakes you want. I'll give you all the cakes. But don't make me put something on it I don't believe in. And 
these guys were winning cases and are in that battle. I thought, whoa, thank God. It was so humbling. There was corporate people. There was businessmen. There were lawyers. There were politicians. They were all part of God's kingdom in America and around the world. I thought, wow, thank God. I only have to do my little part. And so all of us have a role. All of us have a role. All you have to ask God is, what do you want me to do? And if he doesn't tell you anything, do just what's in front of you. When you look in the Bible, all those prophets that are given special jobs, God made it so clear. It wasn't like, oh, you get one clue. Oh, you missed it. I'm not working with you. It's like, bang, bang, wake up, wake up. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Eli. I'm talking to you, Joshua. Uh, negotiate, negotiate. So what, I'm, what I mean by that is, dear viewers <laughs> and myself too, don't fight battles God didn't have you fight. Just say I'm available for all battles That's that right. you want fought. They'll, he'll bring them to you. They're all around you. Don't worry. And then when he brings them to you, draw your strength from him and take joy in the battle. Don't just say, oh, no, I'm a Christian. There's no battles for me. Uh, unfortunately, even Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. That's a battle right off the bat. And all the way through his ministry, until we get to heaven, we got things to do on this earth and we get to have joy in it. You still get to be with your family, love to eat a good meal, watch a football game, whatever you love to do, surf, ski, climb, paint, read, sleep. We get to do those things. But we're also part of God's kingdom on earth as is in heaven. And Jesus told Peter, on this rock I built this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a command and it's also a reality. It's not going to prevail against it. So we can get in with that. It's his power that's going to win. Mm. We all have something to do. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.